Uh, we're in John's Gospel this morning. If you take your Bible and turn with me to the book of the book of John, uh, John's Gospel, we're, we're unpacking the prologue together, which is the first 18 verses in John's Gospel. So uh, we're going to start here by reading the entire prologue, and then uh, we work through verses 1 through 5 in the last two weeks, and then this morning we're going to look at verses 6 through 8 and consider uh, what's written there. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there are a handful on the back table back there. Feel free to go grab them. And, and we're working towards this morning. Our trajectory is uh, towards the Lord's table. Uh, there are elements in the back. If you didn't get those, feel free to pick those up at any point during, during the service. We'll, we'll participate in the Lord's Supper together at the end of our time here this morning. Let me read the first 18 verses of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. We're going to consider the verses, uh, three verses this morning, verses six through eight. And we're actually introduced into a new character. So the first five verses of John's gospel introduce us to the person of Jesus Christ uh, and and all that he is. But then verses six through eight, we actually get a a new individual being introduced here. Uh, This man is named John. Now, now, this isn't the same John who wrote the gospel. So we're going to have several Johns here before we're done in John's gospel. This is not the same John who wrote the gospel. This John uh, named here in verses 6 through 8 who is who the other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, would refer to in other places as John the Baptist. That's who we're, who we're introduced here to in verses 6 through 8. In Luke's gospel, we actually find out more about John the Baptist uh, John the Baptist was born to a priest named Zechariah and, uh, and his wife Elizabeth. And Elizabeth happened to be a, a relative of, of Mary, the mother of Jesus. In contrast, John, who wrote the gospel, uh, the, who, the, the gospel bears his name, he is the son of Zebedee, uh, and he does not name himself in the book. He's not named in, in the book. Uh, but we know that John... The apostle who wrote the Gospel of John uh, walked closely with Jesus in Jesus' inner circle along with Peter and James. 
and uh, based on the testimony of the, of the other gospel writers. So here in verses 6 through 8, we're actually introduced again to a new character named John, who is John the Baptist. And we learn some specific things about him in these three verses. And we're actually going to learn a lot more about him as the first several chapters of, as we work our way through the first several chapters of John's gospel. Uh, but, but here's the question that, that I want to ask before we explore these three verses this morning. Because I, I'm always struck, this is the question that always comes to mind when I think about uh, why these verses are inserted here right away after the first five verses in John's gospel. Because it's kind of a, a quick transition away from this rich theological passage about Jesus Christ and, and who he is. He's the, he's the word of God. He was with God. He, uh, he is God. And we learn all of these immensely rich theological truths about who God is, or who Jesus is, and then we're, all of a sudden we're introduced to this guy named John. And the question that I always have is, why not wait until the end of, of, uh, end of this section, end of the prologue, to insert this information? Uh, because right at the beginning of verse 19, we see here that this is the testimony of John. And wouldn't that have worked better? Now, the reality is uh, that I affirm what's called the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture, which means that every single phrase and the ordering and the chronology and all of the things that are here and shown in Scripture is, uh, is inspired fully by God, is without error, and is infallible. And so the Holy Spirit inspired verses 6 through 8 to come after verses 1 through 5. So that's the, that's the easy answer, but let, let's actually explore the question a bit more. Uh, why not wait until the end of this section? And I think that the answer uh, to the question has three parts to it. Three parts to it. We're not going to explore the first one because we're going to see that throughout John's gospel and, and we'll get there when we get there. But the first thing, again, that we'll explore later is that John is a really important character in, in, uh, in the gospels. And so he needs to be introduced early. In fact, Jesus would say that he is the, the, the most important character apart from himself in, that we're introduced to in, in the gospels. Secondly, uh, the second part of the answer to that question, that John is introduced here to create a contrast. And you're going to see this implicitly in our time together this morning. You're going to see these, that, that the contrast between John and Jesus will become apparent. Uh, but, but John, the gospel writer, inserts John the Baptist here right away to show us a contrast between John the Baptist and Jesus. John the Baptist is going to gather a big following. We learn this throughout the course of the New Testament. John the Baptist gathers a, a big following, and, and he would have been widely popular, but he's not Jesus. <clears throat> but the last answer to the question, uh, why is John the Baptist introduced here, is the one that I want to focus on, and we're really going to drive towards a conclusion uh, with, and that's that John the Baptist points out something in us that needs to be fixed. Something that's broken in us that needs to be fixed, John the Baptist points out, and John the Gospel writer puts it here early in order that we might see it and begin to understand what Jesus came to do. We'll get to that at the end of our time together. We'll save, we'll save that for the conclusion. Uh, we're North Dakotans, and so we know what it's like to be driving down a rural road and to see a road sign that's been blasted with a shotgun, right? 
Um, I read an article this week that said that, uh, that um, Cass County spends ten dollars to $20,000 each year replacing road signs that have been shot with shotguns. Um, that's quite a bit of money. I don't know how many signs that amounts to, but it's quite a few. Um, <clears throat> with that picture in your mind, consider driving down the interstate. Say you're driving to Fargo. And you get, to, uh, you get to one of the, the signs, with the, 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 it says 60 miles to Fargo. Um, I wish that I could remember which, which ones they are, but approximately 60 miles to Fargo, just say that. And, uh, and it would be ridiculous, you would affirm, I'm sure, to get out of your car at that moment and, and blast that sign with a shotgun that says it's 60 miles to Fargo and then say, here I am, I've arrived in Fargo. Right? That would be ridiculous. The sign doesn't say anything, so I must already be in, in Fargo. That would be, that would be ridiculous. Uh, but I think that's the notion. Hold on to that. Tuck that away. Because I think that's one of the reasons we're introduced to, to John right away. Not because we're blasting, but because we're looking at signs and, and ignoring, ignoring them. Again, tuck that away. We'll come back to that in a moment. <clears throat> John the Baptist, though, like I said, is a really important character in the story of redemption. And the question that we have to ask, even as we're just kind of thinking about an introduction here, is what role does John play? What role does he play? He announces, this is the, this is the role that John plays, he announces that redemption is near. God is going to bring his people back to himself, and John the Baptist announces how. Um, another John, John over here, <laughs> John uh, read for us earlier from the book of Isaiah chapter 40, and in verses 3 through 5, we read, uh, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is fulfilled. What is written here in Isaiah chapter 40 is fulfilled in John the Baptist. He is the forerunner of redemption, but he is not the revelation of redemption itself. That's Jesus Christ, as we talked about. Jesus Christ is the light of men, which we saw in verse 4, which means that Jesus is the revelation of redemption. All that God promised in the Old Testament, all that he told his people that he would bring about, uh, he brings about in Jesus Christ. And so, uh, in these three verses, if we would just walk through them, 6, 7, 8, we find three things this morning that, we, uh, that, that are true or that we learn about John the Baptist. Three things, and this will be the contour of our time. John is, first of all, John is sent from God. Secondly, John is a witness. And third, John is not the light. So we'll break those off one at a time. The first one, John is sent from God. John is sent from God. Verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Simple. Now we shouldn't gloss over this because this is a really bold statement. It's a, it's a very bold statement that, that John the Gospel writer makes. The, the first 18 verses, the prologue of John's Gospel, is jam-packed with bold statements. We've seen a bunch of them already. Uh, Jesus is eternal. 
Jesus has always existed with God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the agency through which all things are created. Jesus is the source of all life. Jesus is the one who's God, who God's plan of redemption will come through, will be carried out and finalized. The, these are really bold claims, and we'd be remiss to think them as anything less than extremely bold. And to say that John was sent from God is another bold claim. Why is that a bold claim? Because it puts John the Baptist in some really elite company. Among this elite company are names like Moses and Isaiah. These men were sent or commissioned by God himself. Consider Moses right at the beginning of Exodus, the book of Exodus. Moses, uh, God sends Moses to Pharaoh to deliver the children of Israel. And God says to Moses in chapter 3, verse 12 of the book of Exodus, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And then, of course, Moses questions that. And he questions how he should communicate who has sent him. And God, in verse 14, the passage that you're familiar with, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is the language of sent that is applied to John the Baptist here in John chapter 1. It's the language of sentness. Or, Or consider Isaiah, the great prophet. The same language is applied to him. Isaiah has a dramatic vision from the Lord in chapter 6 of the book of Isaiah. If you read the first seven verses, you'll see just how dramatic it is. But when we get to verse 8, Isaiah records, he says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. After the life of Jesus, or really during the life of Jesus, we're introduced to a group of men who are called the disciples, mostly in the, in the Gospels. But after that, the New Testament refers to them as apostles. John, the author of this Gospel, is an apostle. This is the actual or an actual formal role given to these men. Peter, James, and John, uh, and even Paul are, are ones who are sent by God. They all receive a commissioning from Jesus, who is himself God. And so when we see in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, where Jesus says "Go there to his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus is saying, I am sending you. God is sending you into the, into the world to carry out my, my mission. And these, the directive here in Matthew 28 is given to a group of men who ultimately would be called the apostles. The, the word apostle means sent one, literally. It comes from the same root word as the word we see here in verse 6, sent. God, a man sent from God. At the end of John's gospel, we're going to see this scene where Jesus shows up. Jesus says, been crucified, he's, 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 he's been raised, and he shows up in a room that the disciples had barricaded themselves into. They'd locked themselves into this room, and Jesus shows up. He walks through the wall. And then Jesus says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I 
am sending you. So we see here in verse 6 that it was God who sent John the Baptist. And that puts him in elite company. When the Old Testament uh, prophets like Moses and Isaiah and with the New Testament apostles, the ones Jesus sent to proclaim his good news and, and through whom he established his church. And so we find out or we should consider here very closely that only God, not man, can send in the way that John the Baptist is sent. The second thing, though, that we learn is in verse 7, that John the Baptist came to bear witness about the light. Look at verse 7. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. So John is sent by God, and this, this just simply answers the question, well, what is he sent to do? What is John the Baptist sent to do? He's sent to provide a testimony, to bear witness. There's legal language here that the full revelation of redemption was near. And this is an incredible task given to John the Baptist. God was going to fulfill his promise to free captives from sin, and he was going to free captives from sin through the person of Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist came to announce that it was there. John was sent by God not to draw attention to himself, uh, but to draw attention to Jesus Christ. And this would be echoed, or it will be echoed when we get there in John chapter 3, verse 30, where John the Baptist famously says, He must increase, speaking about Jesus, but I must decrease. John was sent with a specific task, and it was to announce that the redemption of God's people was at hand. John invited all within earshot to come to Jesus. And through him, all mankind would believe. Look at the end of verse 7. That all might believe through him. Now, when we see that word all, we need to begin to think about all kinds of people. Because when we get further down the page, we see that in verse 11, Jesus came to his own. We'll unpack this in a few weeks. But he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did, all kinds of people who did receive Jesus, not just the ones who, not just the ones who were of Jewish descent, but all types of people, they would believe through the testimony of John. God gives the great privilege to regular people of proclaiming his message. And through their testimony, men and women come to believe that Jesus is the Christ and the only way to be saved from sin and the resulting death. God gives us that great privilege as well in a similar manner. The third thing, though, that we see here in verse 8 is that John was not the light. Again, this is important to state. It's a negative statement, but it's important to state. John was not the revelation of redemption that John the gospel writer talks about in verse 4 and verse 5 and verse 9. John was not the way that God was going to fulfill his promise to redeem his people. John's job was to point to it. His job was to point out the light. But the question here is, why would that need to be stated? Why would, why would John the Gospel writer feel a need to say, John the Baptist, this guy is not the light? For us, it's not, it's not that hard to get our heads around. Um, that John the Baptist is not Jesus. We didn't come here this morning to worship John the Baptist. We came here to worship Jesus Christ. 
we, we, we don't have a problem in our day-to-day, and we're not torn between two options. We're not torn thinking to ourselves, should I follow John the Baptist's teaching, or should I follow the teaching of Jesus Christ? We're, we're not in that camp. Um, but, but John the Baptist had, to, had a really big following. And in the first century, if we put ourselves in the shoes of the readers, the first century readers of John's gospel, that might have actually been a temptation. John the Baptist had a really big following, and he had a really fruitful ministry. In the book of Acts, we we meet a young man named Apollos. And Apollos saw that Jesus was the Christ, and so he began preaching and teaching in Corinth about Jesus. But then the Apostle Paul shows up in in chapter 19. He shows up in Corinth. And in verses 1 through 5 of that chapter, we, we read this. And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And, And he said, Into what were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the only one who was to come after him, or in the one that was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Paul passes through Corinth. He comes to Ephesus. He finds people who are still following John the Baptist and his his teaching. John was not the light. He just pointed to the light. John had a big following and needed to be stated that John was not the light in order that men and women wouldn't see him as anything more than a road sign. Because John was sent by God to show who the true light is. The true light is Jesus Christ. If if you need a good reason not to exalt men, if you need a good reason not to exalt men, you find it right here in verses 6 through 8 in chapter 1 of John's gospel. Because Christian celebrity culture is, is a big deal. You've probably listened to sermons online or sound bites or really impressive Christian men or women. And maybe you've done that even this week. And maybe you're tempted to say, here's the light. We found him. Here it is. This person really knows what he or she is talking about. But friends, they are not the light. Just like John the Baptist was not the light. Because the litmus test if those men and women are posted, who are posting videos on the internet are really sent by God is if they point not to themselves, but to Jesus Christ. They're not just tipping their hat to him. They're not just talking about God in general. Their content of their message shouldn't be, do better, you're enough, I'm great, but rather that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus is the Christ. He was the one who came to set his people free from sin. Jesus is God. Jesus is the only way to be saved. Jesus is the way to be free from sin and death. Jesus is better than everything that the world is peddling, including what so-called Christian leaders who would claim to be sent by God are but are lying to you about who the true light is. If they're, po- if they're, if they're pointing to anything other than the person of Jesus Christ, then they are not They are doing you a dramatic disservice. So this this is moving us towards a conclusion. 
we talked away that idea about shooting road signs, which is a funny image, but think about that with me right now. Because the, the introduction of John the Baptist actually points out something here that needs to be fixed in us. What is it that needs to be fixed? What's broken in us? What needs to be fixed is our willingness to settle for what's less than the true light. Our, our willingness to stop short at what's good when what's best is offered to us. John the Baptist came to bear witness about the light, not to point to himself, but to point to Jesus Christ. John the Baptist had a unique role, but no one else had that role of introducing the world to Jesus like John the Baptist did. But John the Baptist made his mission clear. And through God's word and John's witness, we have a clear portrait that the hero of all of Scripture is Jesus Christ. John the Baptist didn't say, stop at me. He said, no, stop at the one. Go to the one who offers you redemption, offers you forgiveness of sin. And so this morning, I want to propose to you that we actually have a lot of these road signs in our lives. A lot of these road signs, God gives us tons of them that point us to Jesus Christ. John is a really important example here for us. But when we, when we see these road signs, oftentimes we as people, we attempt to vandalize them or just simply ignore them. Things like food and drink and children and work, these are all God's gifts that are good and are designed to point us to himself. C- consider with me food. Um, we shouldn't just think about food as something that we shove in our mouths. To, to regain energy in order to get the next task done. I know I do that a lot, but we shouldn't think of it that way. Uh, we should think about the God who cares so much about us that he provides sustenance for us, and on top of that, it even tastes good. Through it, we should be reminded that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power, and that includes us. He upholds the, us by giving us sustenance, by providing food for us. It's not just this industrialized process. It's not just inputs and outputs. But, but a loving act by God, when we get to taste good food and drink delicious drink, that we should be reminded of what God says in Psalm 34 when he tells us to taste his goodness. Just like John the Baptist pointed us to Jesus, so something small like food and drink makes us recognize God's goodness and kindness to us. Or or consider children. Don't stop short. Don't stop short. Buffalo City Church, we've been blessed with kids. There are kids here this morning. That's wonderful. We need to see our kids not as a problem to be solved, but a reward from the Lord. Not just your kids, not just the ones God has entrusted to you, but but all of the kids that are involved in our community of faith. Because kids are a blessing. Whether your kids are 5 or 55, they are a reward from the Lord. There's no time limit put on it. Kids point us to the true light, who is the light of men. 
Because kids are full of energy in life. When your kid has energy and is going all over the place, if you have young kids, you know what I mean. Or if you've had young kids, you know what I mean. Praise God that Jesus Christ is the source of life. He is the source of their energy. He is the source of their life. And you should look at them and say, this is good. God has given me children in order that I might see clearly who Jesus Christ is. And so as a church, we should seek to serve families with young kids because through them we see the life that that Jesus provides. And the life that dances across kids' faces when you play a game with them or read a Bible story to them or, or memorize scripture with them comes from the source of all life, Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was a road sign to Jesus Christ. He showed us the one that was coming that should be high and exalted. To stop short and to exalt John the Baptist would have been a mistake. Food's not the light. Kids, not the light. They're designed to point you to the true light, Jesus Christ. Don't stop short. Friends, all of creation is bearing witness to Jesus Christ. He is the light. And and what's wonderful about that is when you see those road signs that are pointing you to Jesus Christ and you get out and you try and vandalize them and say, no, I'm going to stop right here. Through our tendency to celebrate mere men above Jesus Christ or through our tendency to stop short of worshiping God and our eating and our drinking and everything that we do and through our tendency to choose lesser things, God is gracious to present himself to us over and over and over again. These road signs are evident to us everywhere around us this morning, pointing us to Jesus Christ. I became a Christian when I was in college. I was 19 years old. I heard the gospel before that, but a bunch of times. But I always shot the road sign. I always ignored it. I would have settled for a life that made the goal of that life making money and earthly success. But God in his kindness showed me graciously that those things of creation were good things but they were meant to point me to the best thing, who is Jesus Christ. So the admonition is clear, friends, this morning. Jesus Christ offers himself to you freely. He saves us from our attempt to vandalize the road signs, and he continues graciously presenting them to us so that we might see clearly the person of Jesus Christ and worship him.